You're listening to the 5-Minute Friday podcast episode of The Aligned Self. This is your host, Daniel Danovi. Okay, 5-Minute Friday, a short and concise podcast episode of The Aligned Self designed to leave you with a question, an idea, a strategy, a tip, a hack in order to give you greater access to your conscious awareness, evolving your conscious awareness, or give you greater mastery over your mind. Hello, friend, and welcome into this 5-Minute Friday. You know, just a couple episodes ago, I passed the 200 mark, the 200th episode, and uh, I didn't even really notice. So in hindsight, you know, pat myself on the back, I've been consistent at this, we've been having this ongoing conversation, and there will be more to come. Now, I can remember when I first hit 50, that seemed like a big deal. Well, then I hit 100. And I think I'm more in it for the long haul now. While it's nice to know that I have a certain amount of content out there and that I'm now over 100,000 downloads, that still staggers my mind. But, you know, I'm not that concerned about it anymore, as excited about it as I was. And I don't know, let me see why. I mean, right this second, I'm literally checking in with myself why it's not important enough, because... Well, frankly, I have the idea or the knowing now that people are receiving the communication, the people that are part of this conversation are in the conversation, the people that don't resonate with me, the people that don't resonate with me and they don't resonate with this message, they stop and visit and then they go on. So that's the way it goes. It might have sounded like I lost my voice for a second there, but I was actually laughing at myself. Because uh, there was a time in my life was I, when I was really concerned about uh, pleasing everyone. And frankly, I'm at an age now where it doesn't matter anymore. I don't care to alter my life to please the majority because the majority don't even think like me. And as I'm really honest with myself, I was never in this for, you know, thousands of downloads, millions of listeners. I just want the message to reach the people that are open to it, that are ready to receive it, that are hungry for information. And I'm passing along information that has made a difference for me over the years. And as a coach, I get to assist people in a variety of capacities and pass along this information. And so thank you for being a listener. Thank you for being in this conversation. Today, I'm going to talk about someday is today. I used to be a big someday person. Someday I'll start my business. Someday I'll take that vacation. Someday I'll buy that car. But somewhere along the line, I had this realization that someday is not on the calendar. The only day you have access to is today. I came across a story that helps illustrate this, and I want to share it with you. So there was this couple, Marsha and Bob. They had grown up and been childhood sweethearts. They had grew up in a community, a small community, And Bob ended up getting an executive position with a marketing firm in a nearby large town. To be truthful, it was a big city. So each day he had an hour commute back and forth to his job. Now Bob worked long hours, he was dedicated to his career, and Marcia was a very supportive wife. But there was always not much energy left over for the couple, for the relationship after Bob got home. He usually ended up having a a martini and relaxing and then falling asleep only to repeat the 
process all over again the next day. And he felt bad about Marcia. He kept promising, someday we'll take that vacation. Someday I'll take you to Hawaii. And so they would plan it the next year, and then something would come up, and he'd have to cancel and change the plans and then put it into the next year. He said to Marcia, you know, honey, it just never seems to be the right time. It never seems to work out. But someday soon, we'll have our chance. And then after a while, he promised, when I retire, when I retire, then we'll start to travel and we'll see the world, just like you've always wanted. Well, as Bob's 65th birthday began to approach, he began looking at his bank account and didn't feel like he had enough money yet. So he told his wife, Marcia, I'm going to work a couple more years until age 67. Then I'm going to retire. I don't quite feel comfortable yet with the money that we have in the bank. And so wanting to maximize the next two years, Bob worked even more hours, took on even more projects, and he was away from home even more than before. But he kept promising, someday we'll get to Hawaii. As soon as I retire, we'll really live in style. And so at age 67, Bob did keep his promise to Marcia. He did leave his position. He retired from this top executive position at the marketing firm but only to start complaining of headaches a week after he retired, sometimes severe headaches. They would come and sometimes last three or four days. He would have a reprieve from the pain and be free of headaches for about a week, only to be hit by another massive headache. And it was a little uncharacteristic, but he just figured that it was all the stress that he had been carrying. He's just kind of releasing it now that he was retired. But he wasn't much good to do anything. He didn't want to go out. He didn't want to venture too far from home because he never knew when he was going to have this onset of a migraine headache. Well, after about a month and a half of this, he sought the advice of a doctor. And the doctor said, I think there's something going on here. Let me refer you to a specialist. And after conferring with a specialist, the diagnosis was that he had a brain tumor. But it was in a position that if it was removed surgically, it would cause a lot of damage to the mental functions that Bob enjoyed. And so they took the route of chemotherapy and some other modalities. But Bob's health degraded. He didn't respond to the chemotherapy well. He lost his hair. He lost muscle mass. His health really went downhill. And so Marsha became his full-time caregiver. Many days he couldn't even get out of bed. He frequently needed assistance to go to the bathroom. Light bothered his eyes. In fact, he had trouble seeing altogether. And so taking care of Bob became a full-time job for Marsha, an exhausting job. And so this therapy went on. He tried to go through the curative route that Western medicine had set forth for the next 18 months. Yet periodic checkups did indicate that the tumor was shrinking, but not significantly. And during this time of being bedridden and going through this entire healing process, Bob's best friend, Joe, began to visit. He would sit by Bob's bedside and talk about old times and tell stories about how they were when they were younger. Well, as time went by, Joe spent more and more time with Marcia, and they would have dinner together, and he would just attempt to make her life a little bit easier. And as they spent more and more time together, they became good friends. And he was very compassionate with the circumstances that Marcia was going through. And he was also a good friend to Bob, very compassionate and loving to his friend. Well, one day, 
When Joe was sitting with Bob, Bob looked at Joe and said, My friend, I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm so tired, and I hurt all the time. And Joe began to offer some words of encouragement and hope, and Bob said, No, 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 I know what's happening. I'm not going to make it. I don't want to make it. I'm so tired. But I have a favor to ask you. I've seen how Marsha's eyes light up when you enter the room. I want you to take care of her when I'm gone. And Joe started to object. He said, no, I can't take your place. And Bob was like, I want you to take my place. I, I'm not going to be around. You are good to her, and she enjoys your company. And then Joe admitted, I've been developing feelings for her. And Bob said, I know, I can see, and I'm okay with it. I've promised her so many things that I've never been able to do with her. She still stood by me all my life, and I never really gave her the life she deserved. She was always waiting for my someday. Well, Joe took his friend's hand in his and said, I will. I'll take care of Marsha. You don't have to worry about that. And Bob said, thanks. Thanks a lot, my friend. And so later, Joe told Marsha what Bob had said, and she was a little surprised. But the next morning, Marsha went in and talked to Bob wanted to know if it was true. And Bob said, yes, I'm so sorry that I've not been able to give you the life that I promised. I kept saying someday, and when someday came, it, I wasn't there. And so Joe, Joe will take care of you. In fact, nothing would make me happier. Marcia responded, how did you know I had feelings for Joe? And Bob said, I saw you happy, happy in a way I haven't seen you in years with me. I knew there was a connection. And so when Bob went back for his checkup, they discovered that he had new growths in his body, new cancerous cells, and they were suggesting another round of chemo. And Bob said, I can't. I, I just can't do it anymore. I'd rather just wait it out. But Bob's quality of life wasn't that good. He was in a lot of pain. He wasn't very mobile. But they sent him home with some painkillers. And so he medicated himself to where he could at least exist without much pain. It wasn't much of an existence. It wasn't much of a life for Marcia. They had told Bob that he might live another six months. He died in two. But during those last few weeks, Marcia and Joe became closer and closer. They flirted with each other. They enjoyed each other's company. They laughed together. But Joe never spent the night because he didn't want the neighbors to talk. He didn't want them to think ill of Marcia. And even though they had received Bob's blessing, they held off from going out in public. Occasionally they would have dinner at the local restaurant, and people could see that they were friendly, but they never really put off the vibe that they were together. There was no public displays of affection, because they didn't want people to talk. And in their private conversations, they would say, someday we'll be together. We'll be together in a way where we can be self-expressed out in the world. But for now, I just feel like we need to hold back so people don't get the wrong impression. So for the next two years, they kept their relationship a secret from the outside world. It was a hidden love affair. But at the end of that two years, they had decided mutually that the grieving, the public grieving, was over, and that they could begin dating, and it wouldn't look bad to other people. 
They would go out in public and there'd be public displays of affection. But still, Joe never spent the night. He never wanted the neighbors to see his car in the driveway in the morning. And he would say to Marcia, Someday we'll spend every waking moment together. And after about six months of dating, Joe proposed to Marcia, and the plan was to get married in a year. They felt that period of time was acceptable. And in their private conversations, they would talk to each other, love each other, and say to each other, Someday we'll never be apart. Eight months after Joe had proposed, he had a massive heart attack and died at 72. That story had hit me hard when I read it. Marcia had put her life on hold for some day, waiting for some day when the promise would be fulfilled. Joe and Marcia held back, showing their love, expressing their love fully for the fear of other people's opinions. They were waiting for permission to really love. Someday we'll be together all the time. But by the time someday was arriving, it was too late. Way too late. John Greenleaf Whittier wrote this, and it's also been one of my favorite quotes. For all sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest of these, it might have been. So if you've been saving that bottle on the shelf for that special occasion, dust it off and open it tonight. If you've been waiting for the right moment to say I love you, if you truly feel it, then say it now. Don't wait. Don't wait for someday. If you've been waiting for the right moment to start your business, to begin your project, to begin your life, start it today. Take at least one step. Lean in the direction of the fulfillment of your dream. Because if you wait for someday, someday may not come. In fact, someday is never going to come. Someday is not on the calendar. You only have today. So begin where you are. Lean in the direction of the fulfillment of your dream. If you've been waiting for permission to really live your life, if you've been waiting for permission to feel better, to feel great, to release a loss, to release the grief, you have my permission. But you don't need anybody's permission. You don't need my permission. You don't need anybody's permission. If you feel it, then you can do it. If you decide for yourself, that is permission enough. But if you're still just a little stuck on the permission thing, say it this way. Insert your name for mine. Daniel, you have my permission. Begin. If you've been holding back, waiting for the right moment to have that difficult conversation, understand there is no right time to have a difficult conversation. You just have to wade into it and get it over with. Because chances are you'll never have the courage. It'll never be the right time. If you're walking around living your life with a weight on your shoulders about something you need to say, something you need to discuss an apology you need to give, an ending you need to initiate. Today is the day. Begin. There is no right time to have a difficult conversation. There is no right time to begin either. Remember this. He who hesitates waits. If there is anything about right timing, 
It's aligning your heart, your mind, and your body. So you are aligned with your decision. Then take action. Take inspired action. But waiting for the right moment, waiting for circumstances and the stars to align, for you to be able to move forward, that someone is going to bestow you with the permission, that the special moment, the special occasion will be self-evident. Decide today. Declare today. Today is special. My life is special. Celebrate today. Don't wait for someday. Someday is today. In 2013, I was visiting my father, visiting my parents. And there had been something weighing on my mind for a long time. I wanted to have a conversation with my dad. A heart-to-heart conversation. But it never seemed to be the right moment. Well, I just waited in and said there's something I've been wanting to say for a long time now. But it never quite seemed like the right moment. So I'm taking this moment now. Dad, I want you to know that I love you. I thank you for everything you ever taught me. And he looked at me and asked, what did I teach you? He felt that he hadn't taught me anything. I said, you taught me how to swing a hammer. You taught me how to be a man. You taught me how to love, mostly by your example. All your lessons didn't occur just in what you said. I watched how you were being and how your being I love. I am proud to be your son. I'm proud that you're my son. I love you. I have always loved you. And I said, I know. And these were words that were not exchanged very often between us as adults. But in having that conversation with my dad that day, there was a sense of completion and a knowing that existed between us from that moment forward. Well, a year later, my dad could not remember my name. He did not remember that he had a son that looked like me. He knew that he had a son that lived in Texas. But when I showed up, I wasn't him, at least not in his mind. And I know if I had not had that conversation, not had that moment with my dad, that him not remembering me at this stage of life would have been really difficult for me. But it was somewhat easy. I accepted it. Because everything that needed to be said had been said. My dad died from congestive heart failure in September of 2016. And in those last few days, he didn't even remember that he had children. And he had six of them. But he had just survived a massive heart attack, spent a week in the hospital, regaining his health, regaining enough health in order to go home. And then he died that night, the night he came home from the hospital, in the presence of family. I was there, my brothers and sisters were there, and their kids were there. My dad knew he was surrounded by family when he took his last breath. He left the physical plane with no regrets. He left the physical plane with love. Sometimes I wonder how I would feel if I had not had that conversation, that last in-depth conversation with my dad. I'm not a person that begs or pleads, but I'm begging you, stop living for someday. Someday is today. Until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Dano V, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner directed as you engage in the epic adventure today. Today.